The Premier League has become a haven for some of the world's top coaches. Thomas Tuchel is a European champion and has reached Champions League finals in two of the last three seasons. Antonio Conte, a proven winner at domestic level, winning Serie A with two different clubs and lifting the Premier League title with Chelsea. Both are passionate, demanding and highly strung. If you get on the wrong side of them, you are in big trouble. And this Sunday, they clash in West London. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is football only better? So Chelsea take on Spurs on Sunday afternoon. Chelsea 2.32 on the exchange to win the game. Tottenham trading at 3.35. Delighted to say that my regular vice-captain Marco Hare's on the team again. Mark, I have to say, I'm a little surprised that Tottenham are a chunky price like that because it feels like the two have been undergoing a bit of a rebuild and Spurs are a bit further along in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think there's any sort of argument to say that Chelsea may have stood still a little bit, while Tottenham have certainly been moving forward. Uh, they only ended the campaign last season three points adrift of Chelsea. Uh, consider the dreadful start they had. It kind of shows the progress that they have been making, particularly under Antonio Conte, really. And uh, I think we're all anticipating a, a very strong and solid top four challenge from Tottenham this season. Um, and if there was one team to drop out of the top four, Chelsea have probably been the one with the biggest question marks surrounding them. So, I think I'm really looking forward to this game because I want to see how Spurs approach it because so often they've gone to Stamford Bridge with hope, with expectation, with optimism and kind of departed with their tail between their legs. It's just one win in 37 away at the bridge across all competitions going back to 1990. 24 defeats in that streak as well, one of which came under Conte as recently as January. Chelsea actually went off as 1.73 favourites that day and won the game 2-0. Um, which kind of shows the difference between these two teams' projections since then with the prices you've already just read out. Chelsea now around 2.3 and, and Spurs coming in from about 5.2 that day to around about 3.3. Uh, that's a, a massive change really in just an eight-month spell. But uh, Chelsea obviously had the Indian sign over Tottenham in the League Cup as well. It's worth remembering too. So there is some sort of mental scars and sort of history there that Tottenham need to try and address. Um, I don't think they could have asked for a better coach to try and engineer something away from that and Antonio Conte he will have no um, you know he won't want to entertain anything to do with that I think he'll be very confident in his team going there and doing a decent job can't read too much into match day one because Southampton definitely played into Tottenham's hands but they did play very well they looked very sharp and as we've spoken about before any team under Antonio Conte in the second season once he's had a full pre-season as well um, tends to go pretty well and tends to be on it from the off. Um, so, you know, there's continuity there, huge ability, particularly up front. And I think that's where they do have the edge over Chelsea. Uh, I think they're pretty well matched across the park, apart from in the final third, whereas Chelsea meandered through that game against Everton, looked a little bit rusty. Uh, Mount and Havertz weren't anywhere near their sort of creative best. Um, Sterling played all right, leading the line, but a lot of their play came through the flanks of James and Chilwell, who are Obviously, very talented players, but I think they need a bit more variety about their play. And at Stanford Bridge, it's been quite some time since Chelsea cut loose or put teams to the sword or, or showed a sort of clinical nature. And you've got to go back to October. For the last time, Chelsea scored three or more goals at home. Um, or sorry, it's okay. 14 games since October, they've, they failed to score three or more goals. The one time they did actually was against Leeds and two of them were penalties. So for all the talent they've got in that squad, I, I am struggling to sort of see 
where they match up to Tottenham in their final third. And I think for that reason, I give Spurs a very slight edge. Um, so, you know, it's a team who held Liverpool away under Conte, beat City away under Conte as well. Uh, and Chelsea last season only managed two home wins against the top half as well. So I think there's a fair amount uh, or a decent case to be said that Spurs have a good opportunity to sort of rid the history this weekend by getting a good result. But I think the prices allow you to get Spurs on side with a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap. At around about 1.9, I think that's that's really quite nice. You know, even if the game ends all square, we get a half stakes profit. But I do think the draw is a big runner in this. And again, worth reiterating, conditions in London this weekend are going to be very, very hot, and that's going to probably affect the game as well. The dashing doctor of data, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal, is here once again. Jake, from a data standpoint, solved the puzzle for me for Chelsea because Thomas Tuchel went in there originally and we marvelled at how incredibly strong they were defensively. They were controlling games. They were keeping teams at arm's length. Obviously, they went on to win the Champions League. I was one of the ones who felt Chelsea could push for the title. I was horribly wrong about that. Horribly wrong about Lukaku doing well as well. But from the data standpoint, what's going wrong? What's going well? Um not a lot's going wrong to be fair the data that they're putting up I'll say this now the data that they're putting up any other generation 10 years ago would have looked brilliant it would have been the, probably the best in the league alongside what Spurs are doing but because City and Liverpool are performing at such levels then it does look like these two these two teams particularly Chelsea are underperforming so you know that Chelsea last season posted an expected goal difference of uh, plus 0.9 per game when they won the title under Antonio Conte, what was that, back in 2016, their expected goal difference was plus 0.93. So they're not performing like too far below those levels. Um, what is interesting ahead of this game is that since Antonio Conte took charge, these two teams have performed pretty much identically from the underlying data. So both teams have picked up 1.85 expected points per game since Conte took over. Um, as I said, Chelsea's expected goal difference at plus 0.9 is only slightly better by Tottenham's at plus 0.91 over that same stretch. So what we're seeing is two teams that are incredibly evenly matched. They play in, a very, in you know, the same formation with slight nuances. Um, and they're two world-class coaches who have really, really good squads at their disposal. So it's a fascinating puzzle to solve. And, and to be fair, sometimes the, the when teams are this closely matched, the obvious play is just to sit on the fence and back the draw. Um I, you know, you factor in as well the how early this game's coming the season, and that neither team will really want to lose. I know it, it can also be seen as seen as a statement game if one team goes out there and um, and you know Spurs goes to Chelsea and win comfortably, then all of a sudden people might start looking at them for a, uh, finishing second or for the, winning the title. But it's also a game where if you said to both coaches at the start, would you take a draw? They'd snap your hand off for a draw because you're not losing anything to your rivals. You, you know. Um, as as we as you've said, like Chelsea is still trying to find the footing. Spurs look a little bit further along in their sort of pre uh, start of season development, but given how early it is, still trying to find certain rhythms, trying to fit in new players. I think I think both teams would happily take a draw at the start of the season. And as I've said, they're, they're very equal in my mind on pretty much everything: um, managers, players, underlying process. Um, and you know, if you, if you also want to factor in just going off the underlying data and looking at the raw data. Um, Chelsea's home form last season was really poor. Won nine, drawn seven, lost three. So they only won nine of 19 at home. 
but then you counteract that with the Spur- the fact that Spurs haven't beaten Chelsea in 90 minutes since 2018-19, which is actually 12 head-to-head meetings. So Spurs haven't beaten Chelsea in 12 meetings. Uh, obviously, different managers in charge, etc. You mentioned the, the one last week, uh, last season with Conte in, uh, at the helm. So, yeah, there's a lot there that to, to, to kind of unpack. And I just think that, for me, the, the best play is just to have a small bet on the draw and just enjoy a good, a good football match with a lot of tactical nuances. Trader, tipster and proponent of the sustainable edge, Mark Stinchcomb is back. Stinch, it, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because both won at the weekend or last weekend in very different ways. Who do you feel is further along? Chelsea have signed. I think Koulibaly's a brilliant signing. I think Sterling's a brilliant signing. They've got loads of money. That's obvious. They might try and bring in Frankie de Jong. They may succeed with that. They may not. But it's really interesting. The recruitment's key, isn't it? Mm, you say recruitment is key. I'm not sure whether the manager is going to get the best out of some of these attacking players. Like, for example, Sterling, like... Mark said, is October the last time Chelsea scored three goals at home in a match in the Premier League? Like, that's a long, long time for a team with the attacking talents that they have available. I I said it, I think, last week. I don't think Sterling will be as good as he was at Man City because I really felt Guardiola elevated him to a higher level. We've seen the struggles of Werner and Lukaku who have both had to leave as a result. Um, I don't think he's getting the best out of Kai Havertz either. Um, there is a there is a player in there, but then again, we knew there was a player in there for both Werner and Lukaku. Pulisic can't seem to get a look in. Hudson-Odoi was being courted by Bayern Munich not so long ago, um, yet neither of them, in my mind, have played at, at a consistently high level. So I definitely think Chelsea offensively have have issues um, that they that they need to solve. And if and the problem there is if they're not keeping clean sheets, which they were at the beginning of Tuchel's reign, then it puts even more pressure on the attack to score multiple goals in order to win matches. Um, I don't really want to oppose them in this game, though, because Spurs under Conte went to Chelsea twice already in January and lost both of them very tamely 2-0. So it's going to be fascinating to see how, how he actually approaches this. I actually think there's an argument that Tottenham could go there and just be really attacking and, and win this. Um, because I, you know, I don't think the likes. I think that probably the front three for Chelsea will be Havertz, Sterling, and Mount. And I think you can just accept that they haven't gelled and take advantage of that and kind of go one on one maybe with them and lean on the fact that you've got an attack of Kane, Son, and Kulazeski who have massively gelled, and they've also got the two wing backs to to rely on in further in terms of uh, offensive prowess so I think I would like to see that I don't think it will happen um, but I think I think they could go there and basically just try and outscore them um, so I've not I don't really want to back anything in the in the main markets but I'm quite happy to chuck something to, to start us off with a with a bet builder um, Spurs had 18 shots in their first game against Southampton and spoken on previous pods about their ability to get their fullbacks nice and high we saw Ryan Sessegnon score last weekend from yard out basically um, he's just 3 to 10 to have one shot uh, whereas Emerson Royale on the other side, he fired in three shots against Southampton. He's four to five for one shot. So there's a huge discrepancy there um, for two players that play in the same position on opposite sides of the pitch. So I'm quite happy to kickstart something with Emerson Royale to fire one shot at four to five. 
So just have a shot. He doesn't even have to have a shot on target. Just have any shot yeah. whatsoever. Well, that's a lovely start. It is worth bearing in mind, by the way, you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Chelsea against Tottenham. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus cgambleaware.org. So we'll try and help you along with that. Stinch has given us a good start with Emerson Royal just to have a shot. Jake, what would you throw into the mix? Um, I know what Stinch is saying about the Spurs having the capacity to go there and outscore Chelsea, but I, I can't see this being a high-scoring game. I think that these two coaches, when it comes to the big matches, tend to revert to defence-first approach. Um, and I think especially Chelsea, given the the sort of lack of rhythm in their attack of the last six months, um, I think they will probably lean more on the defensive side of things than the attacking side. So I'll throw under 2.5 goals in. And Mark, what have you got for us? Um, well, Chelsea Spurs, normally quite a, a bit of a rivalry, isn't it? So we normally get a few scuffles and a bit of violence. So it'd be of remiss course. of me to, to not go down that route, wouldn't it? So there's two options I'm struggling to figure out who I want to back more. Christian Romero or Rodrigo Bentancourt. Um, both, you would say, would be very much top of the list if there's any sort of nonsense going on. Um, I'm going to say Christian Romero. He's a shorter price. But yeah. Yeah, even last week, um, Spurs in complete control. He found ways to throw in a few wild tackles and even when his players were celebrating he was <laughs> digging them in the back and stuff he just loves it he loves the physicality so uh, he'll be he'll be very much close to the uh the nonsense when it does kick off uh, so that comes out uh, around about seven to one so uh, an intriguing bet builder to go into that game with both nottingham forest and west ham lost on the opening weekend but the atmosphere will be fantastic at the City Ground Forest, back in the Premier League after a long wait. Uh, West Ham odds on here at 1.94. Jake, is that about right? I think so, yeah. I'd make them a bet at that price, uh, personally. Um, I think Forest, you know, we, we are all massive fans of Forest in the long term, but as I've said on a couple of pods now, the immediate short term, I have a bit of a concern around them, just trying to integrate the number of players that they brought in. Um, you know, is it, is it 12 that new faces that they brought in? Maybe more? Um, that that can take some time to gel. Um, we saw, I think, the most recent time we saw that from one team basically overhauling their entire eleven was um, Fulham three seasons ago. Uh, they obviously ended up getting relegated, but they, that they started the season really poorly because of the amount of faces that they had to turn over, and, and it was only during like a sort of a mini run that, uh, at the start of the, at the turn of the year that saw them get closer to survival. So I, I expect to see something similar from Forest. Um, the performance against. Newcastle was um, slightly worrying, just purely because of the lack of cohesion, particularly in forward areas. Um, just generating 0.3 expected goals is a, is a really poor return. Um, the only positive from them really was the fact in, in which they limited Newcastle to mainly pot shots from distance. So the Newcastle had 23 shots in the game, equating to 1.98 expected goals. So you're looking at around a 0.08, 0.09 expected goals per shot, which is... Um, it, it suggests a decent defensive display in terms of limiting the quality of the chance. Uh, but other than that, it was all really negative. And, um, you know, I think we touched on West Ham a little bit in the Saturday pod. Um, just the fact that they were really tame against Manchester City, really disappointing. It just always felt when they went 2-0 down, sort of the players and the managers shook hands and said, OK, we'll, we'll take a 2-0. Um, and they sort of started conserving energy for the next game because, you know, as soon as the second goal went in, West Ham's attacking impetus just completely disappeared. Um, and, you know, that is is a 2-0 defeat to this Manchester City team a bad result? 
in the long run, it might be seen as a good result to, to only lose um, by a two-goal margin. But that was my feeling watching the game. They just sort of took the foot off the gas pedal um, in terms of the pressing, in terms of the trying to combat Manchester City. And I wonder if that just will we'll leave a little bit of extra in the legs for them at this stage of the season. Um, you know, we know how generally consistent they are, West Ham. From a week-to-week basis, they're one of the teams you can usually rely on to turn up and, and play in, in X, X way um, and, and X style. We know exactly what they're going to do. Uh, and we know with the, with the players that they've got at the disposal, they're going to create chances. Like There's no doubt about it. They will create two, three, maybe four good chances this weekend, uh, just purely because of the quality that they have. Um, and last season, the same group of players, you've added a few extra um, forward players in there. They ranked as the seventh best attacking team away from home in the league. So they're more than capable of going away and, and creating chances. Uh, and, and I'm more than happy to chance them at 1.93, while I, I still feel that Forest are having a few teething issues. Stinch, are uh, West Ham going to win the Jesse Lingard derby? Um, I don't think they are at the odds. I don't really like them at this price, to be honest. Um, I think odds-on is is very unfair to Forest. This almost feels as if they're playing neutral ground rather than at the city ground to have West Ham as odds-on phase. I think Jake's very right to say that uh, Forest disappointed massively last weekend. Um, mentioned about conceding 23 shots and they, they failed to muster a, a shot on target themselves. I was kind of surprised, really, and I think it kind of makes sense that that kind of all unfolded with the fact that Steve Cooper did gave six debuts so I think there's maybe mitigating circumstances in in that respect but it hasn't changed my opinion on the fact that they're going to be fine under Steve Cooper um you mentioned obviously the fact this is be the first game at the city ground for in the Premier League for over 20 years so I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric and I think the likes of Brennan Johnson are just going to massively thrive off it um very unimpressed as well with uh, West Ham last weekend, albeit it was against Man City, who are obviously the, the best team in the league. But they have problems defensively with no Ogbonna, Dawson or Agard, uh, the new signing at centre-back, which led to Johnson playing there, who was who was caught out. Uh, Fabianski also got injured and Ariola gave away a penalty within minutes of coming on. So I think I think West Ham are vulnerable at defensively. So I think that's something that Forrest could uh, take advantage of. Um, I know West Ham had European distractions at the, the back end of last season, but they've won just two of their last 10 games. So I don't feel very confident about backing a team at odds on w- with that stat. And they've also lost five of their last six uh, away games. So, yes, I think I'm going to take uh, Forest double chance here at uh, 17 to 20. So essentially just looking for Forest to, to avoid defeat. And I couldn't put anyone off back in Forest uh, uh, bigger than three to one. Because, um, I, yeah, I do think that this is a great opportunity for them to get off the mark with uh, West Ham's absences in defence. Never a bad thing to have a range of views. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.com. Now, Real Madrid and Barcelona look as though they're going to go head-to-head for the La Liga title this weekend. The season uh, starting this weekend. Some of the games, by the time you listen to this, may already have occurred. Uh, Maybe Barcelona uh, managed to register their players. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? Uh, But Marc O'Hare, it's a strange one, this for me, because I know Barcelona have signed Lewandowski, they've signed Rafinha, they've made some really exciting signings, they've got some players already in the building 
who are very, very good. I don't know if Xavi will know his best 11 for quite some time. He might not need to, but he seems like that club is in a hell of a lot more flux than Real Madrid's. Real Madrid, the defending champions, looked ever so good against Eintracht Frankfurt in the Super Cup. Looked really, really calm. 1-2-0. Real are just the better bet here, aren't they? Both odds against Real 2.26, Barca 2.34. Real look good value to me. Yeah, I'd rather be Real Madrid just because we know what we're getting from them um, and there's an element of consistency and continuity about what they've done. Uh, I really like their transfer business as well. Just slow and steady improvement. I know Rudiger's uh, one of the sort of bigger name signings, but um, Chumeni just just kind of fits into yeah. their profile of just trying to overhaul the team slowly and quite incrementally really with really sort of... Uh, Quality young players who can make a difference. We saw Camavinga do it last season, um, and I think Shumini will do something very, very similar. They well, they appreciate that their midfield, the, the midfield trio, is is aging. They need to sort of uh, make some changes, and I think they're doing it in the right way. And you can compare it and contrast it with what's happening in Catalonia and, and Barcelona. It's just very, very confusing. Um, but uh, you know, I've, I've always been a bit of a fan of Barca, and uh, you know, it's, it's all right getting the headline players in. But as you say, how's it all going to fit together? It's unlikely to fit together immediately, and that might give Real Madrid the head start they require. And, and Los Blancos have never been that good or that consistent at defending their titles, but they've got a great opportunity to do so here. And I think the market's probably undervaluing them just because of Barca's big names. And there's, there's no doubt Robert Lewandowski is going to score bags and bags of goals. Um, and Barcelona will be quite fun to follow, particularly in the early weeks when we don't really know who's playing and who's not. And the 11s come out and they're playing Rio Vallecano at the opening weekend. I can't see anything else but a bit of a, a high scoring clash there because Rio will come out and play and press them and, and give them a decent game. But um, just uh, for all the positives, there are also some negatives. You know, Frankie de Jong, if he does stay, he's being booed by supporters and jeered. Um, and you've also got players on the fringes who will believe that they deserve their own opportunity in that squad. Uh, Memphis Depay, you know, he was brought to Barcelona as, as a big star not long ago. Now he's kind of been shunted to the sidelines. Uh, Aubameyang as well. These are kind of players who believe they were part of a big project and a big picture, helping Barcelona at a really poor opportunity and a poor moment in their in their history. And now they're kind of just being pushed aside and, and sort of make, made way for the, the new breed of players coming through. And um, There's also the, the chance that these kind of youngsters who've made a, a fantastic impression, not just for Barca, but for Spain too, and not getting the opportunity. So I'm not a big fan of what's going on right now. I trust Xavi will find a way eventually, but I do think that early weeks could be the opportunity for Real Madrid to pull clear. But I think there's actually some nice prices outright on Betfair sport, Sportsbook elsewhere outside of that two, top two race, but I can come to if you want to come to come back to me if you've got questions for the others. No, Mark, let's do it. What, what have you <laughs> seen? Uh, just two, really. Um, I think uh, I wanted to get against Sevilla in the top four market, but uh, they're a very short price, 1.44 to miss out on the top four, which is understandable, really. But if elsewhere, there's a top 10 market and Getafe really appealed for me here at 2.88 to finish in the top half. They've had a really, really solid transfer window, signed some really interesting players, but just solidified a team that were going in the right direction anyhow under Kike Sanchez-Flores, showing top half form and some more under his tutorship. They're 2.88 and you compare that price to something like Celta Vigo at 1.62 to finish in the top half. You know, it's chalk and cheese, really. I'd always be on the Catafe bus there. And just talking of Celta, I think they're an enormous price at 14 to 1 for relegation. Um, you know, with these kind of prices, it's worth bearing in mind, they might not go down. They probably won't go down, but they shouldn't be a 14 to 1 shot when you compare it to, to others in, in the same sort of market, really. And, you know, 
La Liga is interesting because promoted teams tend to do all right on their first season. Normally, you get probably two staying up and and, uh, solidifying in that bottom half. So, Celta, there's some bad sort of vibes around the club through the summer. There's been a high turnover of player. Um, The head coach has done very well to get them to where they are, but there's starting to be doubts about whether they're reaching the end of the cycle right now. The team's devoid of leaders and, and continuity, really. And I think, you know, you throw it all into the melting pot and 14 to 1, I'm not sure they deserve to be that big a price. They'll be in the bottom half, I reckon, for sure. And uh, if you're in the bottom half, you're always in the run for a potential relegation spot because that's how tight La Liga can be down there. Stitch, I want to ask you about Serie A because you've got Inter as the favourites at 2.8. You've got Juventus at 3.2. Milan, who are the defending champions who I don't think look mega weaker than they were when they won the league. I know Kessie's gone. They're 5.9. They've brought in Charlotte de Catalara, who I think is a really exciting uh, attacking midfielder for Belgium. What do you make of those three? Or could Roma come in and crash it? Um, I think Roma's probably a bit far-fetched. They finished quite far off the pace last season. And I think they'll be lucky if they... I think their focus should be just making the top four, to be honest. Um, you know, I think uh, Napoli have obviously weakened themselves with, with their departures. Um, looks like there might be some outgoings at uh, Lazio. So it might be like a, a battle for um, top four with Fiorentina. Um, who are doing a lot of uh, nice things sort of behind the scenes. I think Luka Jovic could be a very smart pickup for them to replace the goals of Vlavic uh, and got a very good coach themselves, uh, Fiorentina. So yeah, I think probably they're in that discussion. I think the, t- the two, the three teams you mentioned are going to be the ones that are entertaining the title talk. I, I think Inter really are the ones to, to side with. I don't think they're fantastic value or anything, but I, I can't have Juventus at, at the prices. Um, I think they're still in transition, to be honest. They've obviously lost uh, Delict from uh, centre-back. Uh, they lost Morata for now. Um, they obviously brought in uh, Vlavic. They've re-signed Pogba. They brought in Di Maria. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think Allegri is still trying to get his... Uh, tactics and instructions across to the to the players as well so I think Juventus are in a in a transition really I think it's quite alarming I know it's only friendlies but they lost a combined 6-0 against the two Madrid sides Uh, Morata actually scored a hat-trick against them um, (laughs) which uh, he doesn't really do scoring goals so that sort of tells you everything message (laughs) Um, he might actually go back to Juventus but I think that might cause more problems trying to shoehorn him and Vlavic into the same team. I, d- they mentioned they lo- I didn't even mention they lost Dybala. Um, Chiesa's still injured, I think, with a long-term yep, issue. Yep, um, so I'm not yep. sure who's going to sort of be creating all these goal opportunities for Vlavic. It wasn't a fantastic or amazing return since he did move to, to Juve. And with the fat Inter, they've obviously re-signed Lukaku. Um, I'm a very big fan of Simone Inzaghi. Um, strengthened um, the other parts of the attack with the signing of Mkhitaryan, probably to replace Sanchez in terms of that backup uh, attacker. And they've got a very set system, very set, uh, reliable set of players. Skriniar might still move. Obviously, we're talking a few weeks with the transfer window still to close, but I think they're quite smart in their business. So I'd be confident they'd replace him with someone smartly. So I think you could, uh, maybe if you wanted to sort of, because in my mind, when you're when you're when you're betting week to week, you like um, you know I'll, I'll 
I know Inter are going to win or I want Inter on my side, but I don't really want to be backing them at two to five away at Lecce, for example. But but it's frustrating when I see that they win and they win comfortably because I know I want to be with them. Um, but maybe I don't want to be them at 17 to 10 and invest my money for nine months. And maybe you could say the same argument for Real Madrid. So perhaps you could put them in a double and back Madrid and Inter both to win their leagues at five to one. Maybe that's the route you might want to go down. And Jake, finally, you wanted to have a word about Bayern against Wolfsburg. Bayern looked really, really good last weekend. Yeah, they did. They absolutely blew them away, didn't they, And uh, at Frankfurt. And expect similar, I think, this weekend. I think Wolfsburg, there's been a bit of change, hasn't there, in the summer. Um, but they're still way off the level required to compete with, with Bayern Munich, particularly away from home. But I was just looking at the goalscorer markets and um, Jamal Musiala uh, sort of caught my eye um, around 7-5 to five. obviously he scored twice he was brilliant last weekend amazing yeah. last weekend he seems to be um, playing in a, in a more advanced role and given more freedom to just join in and get in scoring positions um, he got on the end of 1.28 expected goals last weekend alone um, from five shots which kind of highlights that he is getting himself in really good scoring areas um, so yeah if he continues in the same manner and, and Bayern continues to play him in the same way then we won't we won't be seeing much seven to five uh, as an anytime goal scorer for for much longer. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of coverage of the Premier League and the other major European leagues on our website, betting.betfair.com. From Jake, from Stinch, from Mark, and from me, it's goodbye for now.